Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to see you. Even after a Saturday full of football, we get to see you again. It is good to gather together. It's good to celebrate. And I hope that uh, over these last few weeks, you've discovered a way to take Jesus with you. That's been our goal throughout this series is to remind ourselves that our faith is not something we just leave in this building every week, but rather something that we take with us. And Jesus is someone and something that we can take with us by the power of God's Spirit, right? And a part of what our goal was was to recognize that we all have these um, uh, abilities to breathe in the power and presence of God in such a way that we can breathe out God's will and God's ways to help build God's kingdom, right? This is what it means to take Jesus with us. And it's funny, as I was thinking about this week's message, and I keep thinking about breath and the ways in which we breathe, and this image came to my mind that we don't see very often at all, but when we do see it, it it's sort of um, life-changing quite literally when you witness it. Maybe you've seen it in a television show, maybe you've seen it in a movie, or perhaps on a very rare occasion you might have seen this in real life. But you know, uh, when somebody loses breath, right, and they're sort of lifeless and listless, someone who's trained comes and does mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, right? And you witness that and you see literally that lifeless, listless body literally sort of peak up, and right, and they, all of a sudden the breath comes out of them, and they might, they might do strange things like maybe regurgitate something or, or, or spit breath out or, or literally jolt themselves. But whenever you witness it, it's a powerful image, right, because what appears to be dead, what appears to be gone, what appears to be lifeless actually gets life simply and solely because someone took up the opportunity to train themselves, to practice to witness, if you will, and to implement their training in such a way that life was given. And it's really quite both startling but also powerful to witness this, even even on a television screen or on a movie screen, to see the life come back into somebody. That's what breath can do. And our whole goal throughout this series of Take Jesus With Us is a way to remind us that we can inhale this breath of God, we can receive this life that God offers in such a way that we receive life so that we can offer it to other people. It reminds me, of course, of that text out of Genesis 2-7, right, that we've, we've claimed before and we'll, uh, we'll claim again that when God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth, I love the way the Common English Bible puts it. It literally says that when uh, God uh, breathed into him, God breathed life's breath into his nostrils, and he came to life. He breathed into him life's breath, and that's what we're all looking for because the reality is for many of us, the things of our lives have sometimes sucked the breath right out of us, have indeed pulled our breath beyond us, and we feel either overwhelmed or overburdened or as if life's breath is literally taken from us. And depending on our circumstances, we can feel that and sense that in such a way that we feel as though there's no future, that there's no way forward. But when we receive the life of God's breath, when we receive the opportunity for that breath to give us life, it can change and transform who we are. And a part of the opportunity is to remind ourselves that this is true and that we can receive this gift and, and recognize that it can transform how we are. You know, it's funny because um, often we feel as though if I just keep going in the same way, with pushing harder, working harder, uh, doing all kinds of things harder, that, that can get things done, right? 
but it also feels as though I'm pedaling so fast and so hard that I can't move forward, or I feel as though I'm out of breath, and I don't know how I'm going to change from the inside out. But God's breath, through spiritual practices, through an engagement in a relationship with God, can change the very essence of who we are and glean for us the opportunity to know that God is with us and God is for us. I'm going to just see if that's me. I don't know. It's somebody trying to talk to us. Is that you guys? Or? But when we take that breath and when we receive God's Word in our lives, then it helps transform who we are and how we can be in the world. And it's funny because sometimes we feel as though we don't have time for that or we can't set aside time for that or we, we can't make that work. We are just too busy. And what I want to suggest is it's quite the opposite that if we don't make time for the spiritual practices, if we don't set aside the opportunity to help transform who we are, then we'll never find life. You know, that old phrase and adage is very true. If it's worth doing well, it's worth doing right. If it's worth doing well, we've got to put forth the energy and the effort. If it's worth doing well, we need to put into it what we want to get out of it, right? And the other adage is very true as well, that… Life's best lessons are life lessons. And the best way that we can have life's spiritual lessons is to engage in these practices in such a way that they can change who we are, how they can help move and mold and shape us in our daily lives. And I love the way the Apostle Paul helps us in Romans chapter 12. You know, throughout the, the, the book of Romans, when Paul is writing to the church at Rome, he's trying to help them better understand what it means to be a follower. He's laying out a, 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 a vast sweep of the foundations of the faith and helping people to know that they can be saved by grace through faith. But at one point late in the book, in chapter 12, he lays out what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And he gives us a very expressive and, and uh, beautiful way to discover this gift. And in the very first two verses of that chapter, he identifies this transformation that Doug was talking about. He identifies that we need to move away from confirmation and toward transformation. And here's what he says. I'm going to read from the uh, message translation because I think it gets right to the point. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what God wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That word maturity is a funny word, isn't it? When I was a young person, I always wanted to be an older person, right? And when we get older, we always want to be a younger person. And maturity is a funny thing because we we often kind of think, golly, you know, maturity is not a word that's often used to describe your pastor. 
In fact, immaturity can often be a word that's used to describe me. Because we sometimes want to be youthful, right? Or we want to be silly, or we want to have fun, or we want to do things that are not conventional. And there's nothing innately wrong with any of that. But when it comes to our spiritual health, when it comes to our relationship with God, we want to strive for maturity. And a part of what Paul is envisioning for us is there's a kind of a prescription that will help us find that spiritual maturity, that will help us find this relationship with God that is life-giving, that breathes that, that wonderful gift into our lives. And it all starts on a very simple level. You see how we put it? Take your life, your everyday life, your ordinary life, your eating, your sleeping, your going to work, your, your everyday life. And he says, make it an offering to God. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves, so what does an offering look like? I mean, what is the offering for? What, what is the purpose of this? And while I'm very grateful that often you give on Sunday morning, whether in the, you know, in the box or uh, digitally, and I, I trust that that's true, right? I wonder if the offering is also not simply a way to literally demonstrate the ways in which we live intentionally for God. Because generosity stems from our gratitude. It stems from a gratefulness to God for all that God has done, is doing, and will continue to do. But generosity also stems from the purposefulness of wanting to be obedient to God, that I want to commit myself to God. So when, when the language is used, take your everyday, your ordinary life, and make it an offering to God, it's saying, give your whole selves. Commit your life every part of your life to God. This is where the work comes in. This is where the transformation comes in. This is where we, we realize that there's something more valuable and more purposeful to our faithfulness than simply an hour or even two on Sunday morning. As wonderful it is as to, as to gather, as purposeful as it is for us to be here, as meaningful as it is for us to learn and grow spiritually in our, in our Sunday school classes and in our life groups, it's even more important that our everyday lives, every aspect of who we are, becomes a life offering for God. Because here's what we know that becomes our reality. We become too well-adjusted to our culture. That was the language that Eugene Peterson used to say, man, don't be conformed to this world. But man, it's easy, isn't it? I mean, we, we have so many things that come at us, whether it's media or relationships or, or uh, issues at work or addictions or anything else. They just sort of come at us, and we feel as though uh, we can't overcome them, and we, we find ways to conform because it's just easier. It's just easier not to cause trouble. It's just easier not to have to go through the rigmarole. It's just easier to not to have to do anything. And unfortunately, what happens is when we get so well adjusted to the culture, we get numb to life. And it happens before we even realize it. And the wisdom that Paul brings to us is he says, Fix your attention on God. And we all kind of, we all reflect to ourselves and we wonder, well, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. I, I think that'd be a great thing to do. I think that'd be a wonderful thing to do. I just don't have time. I just don't make the opportunity. I just feel overwhelmed with everything else. And I get it. 
I feel that sometimes. And then I remember that if I don't fix my attention on God, something's going to fix its attention on me. And it's going to be something that pulls me down. It's going to be something that, that pulls me out. It's going to be something that challenges my faithfulness unless I fix my attention on God. This is where spiritual practices come in. This is where uh, Bible engagement and worship and prayer and, and community and all of those things come into play because they help us to better understand how we can fix our attention on God. I love the way Paul wrote it to another community of faith, right? Paul writes to several, and, and we hear him talk about transformation to the church at Rome. And when he writes to the church at Colossae, in Colossians chapter 3, he literally just says, um, and whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever you do, do it as if you're literally doing it for Jesus. And that becomes this fixing our attention on God, challenging ourselves to live into a relationship with who God is. And then notice what happens when we do that. We change from the inside out. Now, most of us would love to change from the inside out, but far too often we get caught up in all of the things of life, and we think that all of these external things, whatever they may be, whether it's work or material goods or, or uh, relationships or any of those things, we think somehow those things are going to fix us or, or somehow make things better, and so we get heavily engaged in them or we, we spend all kinds of time in them when we think, if I'll just do that more, if I'll just take care of this more, if I'll just get that done more, it will solve everything. We've all been there. But Paul really wants to have us know that in order to be fixed from the inside out, we've got to choose Christ over culture, the one who says, I am the way and the truth and the life, the one who is the resurrection, the one who claims for us that He is the bread of life. We've got to choose Him over everything else and spend time with God, our Creator, and Christ, our Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, our Sustainer, who helps us face each new day. And the only way that that works well is when we engage these spiritual practices. But it takes effort. It takes energy. It takes intentionality. It takes commitment. It takes everything we give to almost everything else to develop a relationship with God. But I'm here to suggest to you, and certainly Paul is offering to us, that it's worth the energy and effort, that it makes all the difference in our lives and in our efforts towards God. And we will begin to know that we can not only take Jesus with us, but that we can build God's kingdom and we can create that sort of maturity that we're yearning for, that we literally want. I mean, I make up every last one of us wants this maturity Paul's speaking of, that we want this deep-seated relationship with God, that we yearn for this peace that passes understanding and this assurance that God is for us. But somehow it feels beyond our grasp. Paul literally says, just take your everyday life, your ordinary life, and put it before God. And in order for us to breathe this in, to sense that this is true and that it can actually work, is that we engage those spiritual practices.
It's why, for instance, community is so important as a spiritual practice. It's why last week and the week before that we uh, engaged Sunday school classes in such a way that we wanted to offer you the opportunity to find a Sunday school class. It's why today we have our life group launch so that you can get connected in community because our life group are primary ways for us to find that community. You know, there does, there's not a single week that doesn't go by that we haven't heard a story at the staff level of life transformation through our life groups. Not a single week. We hear every single week how people are growing in their faith and how they're growing in relationship with other people. If you're not in a life group, I want to encourage you to find that safe, transparent, authentic community of faith where you discover you're not alone in your own life's journey, where there are people who can help walk you through these kinds of issues, that that you recognize that people are with you and not against you. That is a gift that God offers to us in Christian community. So head on out there right after services and find a life group if you haven't already. It's why when we read Scripture, it changes who we are because it gives us God's guidance, encouragement, help, understanding. That's why I'm so pleased that there are over 350 of you who have engaged the YouVersion app and, and you're seeking Scripture either on a daily or weekly basis and you're finding help and hope in God's Word because God's Word is the number one way to help grow our faith. It's why we offer Bible studies of any kind, men's and women's Bible studies, short and long-term Bible studies, our disciple Bible study. I've been teaching disciple Bible study almost 30 years, and you know the gift that it offers me? Every single year, I learn, I grow, I discover new things because God's Word is dynamic and alive, and it breathes into our lives the breath of God's strength and presence and power. We need to be in God's Word every single day, somehow, some way. It's why we also need to worship. And I'm grateful that you're here on a Sunday morning, but what we need to recognize about worship is worship is a lifestyle, not a worship style. I know we've all got preferences. I know we all want it one way or another. But worship is not just about an hour on Sunday morning. Worship is about how I live my life. It's about how I engage God's world, how I recognize God in all things. And so we can worship God at work. We can worship God in the car. We can worship God in creation. We can worship God in our homes. We can worship God everywhere because what God is asking of us is to commit ourselves fully to who God is. Listen to a more traditional rendering of Romans 12, verse 1. So, brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to Him. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to Him, which is the spiritual way for you to worship. These are Daniel's words, not Paul's, but anywhere you go, anytime you are, any way you are, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice for God. When we do that, it acknowledges that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift, and we are simply the purveyors of that, and we have the blessing of that. And if we can choose and figure out a way to worship God in all places, all the time, man, it changes us, and it changes how we relate to others as well. The other thing that is so transformative 
uh, in who we are as followers of Jesus that transform the way we connect in the world is service, this spiritual practice of service where we help alleviate suffering and help people in need and, and to help embrace those who are uh, alone, right? And, and service is the very act of what Jesus did and called us to. Remember Mark 10, 45, where it says quite literally, the Son of Man has come not to serve, but be served. I'm sorry, not to be served, but to serve. You got to say that right, right? <laughs> not to be served, but to serve, because that's what He came to do. And when we can serve others, we are doing Christ's work in the world, and we're building God's kingdom. It's why next Sunday and the Sunday after that, we're going to offer a service expo right outside these doors in which you can discover ways to serve, whether in the life of this church or in some service opportunities in the community. There'll be some service providers and nonprofits from the, other, from the community as well where you can find your spot, discover a way that you can use God's gift in your life to serve others and to serve God's kingdom in the world because we're called to serve as a practice that connects us with God. And, of course, there's no better way to connect to God than with prayer, right? And the beautiful gift of prayer is simply there's no wrong way to do it. God simply desires that we speak from the heart, that we offer ourselves fully to God. And one of my favorite uh, prayers is what's known as the breath prayer. You know the breath prayer? You, you offer up just uh, pithy phrases that are very quick, very easy, take one, two, three seconds. Often they're from Scripture. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Lord, have mercy. One of my favorites is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that this just happened. Thank you that this is working in my life. Thank you, Jesus. And they, they take just seconds, and it helps us to know that we can fulfill that strange request that Paul had uh, that he spoke of in 1 Thessalonians 5, where he said, just pray all the time. You ever wondered how you're supposed to pray unceasingly, how you're supposed to pray without ceasing? The breath prayer allows that because you can pray the breath prayer anywhere, at any time, in any place. Lord, help me. Help me to know your will, God. Speak, Lord, right? All of those breath prayers help us connect with God, and they can be said in the car, in the shower, at work, anywhere. And it helps connect us with a higher power, with a greater source, with the breath of life. Friends, all of these spiritual practices are the ways that we find life transformation. We need to be practicing them on a regular basis. Each one is different. Each one comes to us differently, and each one helps us uniquely. But when we engage in them all, they help us to offer our lives as an offering to God, our everyday, ordinary lives so that we can have a full and rich relationship with God. It's how we breathe in God's will so that we can breathe out God's way. Friends, if you're unclear about any of this or if any of these spiritual practices aren't really clear for you, if you'd like to know somehow more about each one of these spiritual practices or maybe how to practice them or what some various examples of any of these spiritual practices are, I want to invite you to go to our website, tmumc.org, slash blueprint. And at the blueprint, you'll find a way to uh, spend about 15 or 20 minutes where you engage what these are. You discover how they work. You get instant feedback about ways you can strengthen your relationship with God. Friends, the blueprint is a simple tool. It's an easy tool 
that helps us discover how we can better breathe in God's way so that we can breathe out God's will. And my hope for all of us is that as we discover this gift, it will bring life to our mortal bodies. It will literally startle us into a greater and grander relationship with Christ, and it will help us collectively and individually grow in this relationship that takes our everyday, ordinary lives and gives them as an offering to God. May it be so as we give ourselves fully to the God of life who wants to breathe into us abundance and fullness and everlasting life. May it be true this day and the next. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you that you breathe into our lives constantly the gift of life. Help us to claim Christ as our Savior, your Spirit as our guide, and your presence, God, in our everyday lives. Lord, may we take up the courage to seek you out and breathe in your breath that we might indeed have the ability to desire you and fix our attention on you every day that we might be changed from the inside out and find that pure joy of a life-giving relationship with you. God, this is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of the one, Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen.